Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is for the title of greatest podcast ever made. Introducing first, from San Diego, California, Austin Cook. And from Odessa, Texas, Kayla McLemore. And these two together make up the Internet World Order. Well, hey there, everybody. It's me. It's Austin Cook. And I'm joined by my co-host of the Internet World Order, Caleb. Today, we are going to talk about... You grew up as a WCW fan. And... I did. I mentioned this to you. I was like, hey, we should do Halloween Havoc. And what did you say to me, Caleb, when I, told, when I gave you this idea? I got real nervous. I didn't just simply ask him, which one? And I said, you know the one. <laughs> and I got a little scared and went, I understand. It's Halloween Havoc 1998, which is a strange pay-per-view. <laughs> it's a roller coaster, to put it mildly. I I felt things, which I guess is it, it achieved its goal. Uh, <laughs> it's not a, a horrible pay-per-view by any means, but it definitely was interesting. It was one of the longer uh, pay-per-views that WCW had back in the time. Cause like the standard was like roughly three hours at most. Like that was the, the cutoff because you know, they still had programming on regular TV and mm-hmm. it went a little bit over. So people actually missed the main event. They got like a minute or two in and then it cut off and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. And the worst part is, it's the best match on the card. It's actually one of my favorite matches of all time. I would say like top 20, top 10, probably top 10. I really enjoy that match. And I feel bad for everyone who grew up and was watching this, especially as a kid. And they want to see Goldberg and, you know, Diamond Dallas Page. And then it just cuts to like, I don't I don't. I don't know what dramas were on TV at the time in the nineties. <laughs> right. TNT. Like whatever the next thing is. Yeah. You suddenly go from, you know, seeing a wrestling match to whatever movie or show. And you're just like, wait, what, what go back, go back. <laughs> like, no, I paid for this. Like imagine being a paying customer and then the cable company was just like, eh. <laughs> like I'd be yeah. so bummed. They made up for this it. Is, oh, they did. And just, I know a lot of people, I've, depending on, like I said, when you got into wrestling or whatever, this is one of the greatest parts of the way it works nowadays with the WWE Network or I think AEW goes to like Fight TV or Fight Network, the people they go through. You don't have to worry about cutoffs anymore. It's mm-hmm. just, it will go as long as it needs to go and you will get to, uh, you will get to see everything you were promised. That wasn't the case back in the 90s. They had a schedule they had to keep. And, well, I got to watch the main event of Halloween Havoc the next day on Nitro, and I didn't pay to see the pay-per-view. So I was happy. And I don't blame you for that, because we're going to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, man, what a strange pay-per-view. But you got to see the best match on the card. And we'll get to that at the end. Uh, it is, well, the main event of the evening. But we have... 12 matches to talk about, which makes me angry (laughs) that there's so many matches on this card. I mean, good for everyone who got to go out there and wrestle and got TV time and 
you know, was, yeah, got was paid, there. all that good stuff. Yeah, it's, you know, nothing against them. But I think at a certain point, like, because this pay-per-view is three hours and 15 minutes, which is really long. <laughs> yeah. And, you, you know, it's not WrestleMania 35, but it is a long, long, especially for the time, too, when the standard was, like, three maximum. You're just like, oh, here we go. And mm-hmm. I took some notes on this. I'm not going to read them all because there's some language in here that I don't want to use. But <laughs> I I try to keep this as PG-13 as possible. And I, I remember one of the first things I wrote down was laughing at the intro. <laughs> the, the wordless intro, I just put ha 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 ha. With all like <laughs> dramatic music and you don't know why. They're just staring at each other and like, it was the introduction. I was trying to put words into what it reminded me of. And the whole time I was like, that looks like vape smoke. Every like transition and all the other stuff. I was like, that is vape. (laughs) It made me laugh even harder. Cause like, you know, it's the nineties. Like I I'm willing to let all this stuff slide because it was a different time and it's harmless. It's just silly. And (laughs) I couldn't keep it in. I was just like, (laughs) no, it's, it's fair. And especially once they get past your overly dramatic intro with like, I don't know. I don't, it kind of made you wonder. Was like, what am I like? Am I about to watch like Gladiator? I, I know they want me to do like a Gladiator thing, but it's like this isn't actual death matches. It's just it, it's pro wrestling. But then you go to the actual set, which I do love the set. That's great because it's it's so goofy that it becomes great, especially because yeah. with it being inflatable. But it would like to your point of like it looking like vape smoke <laughs> with the. <laughs> smoke screen on which on the ground looked kind of cool because it did legit like when you're walking around it made it look like you know you're kind of going through like a haunted graveyard but it's just hilarious that okay for those that haven't seen because like, i know we're doing wcw now so i don't know how many people have actually seen wcw or maybe you've only seen clips here and there they got the giant gargoyle holding a pumpkin that's inflatable and I would honestly say probably not very well anchored down. No, no. It moves constantly. (laughs) I think they had like 40 little like air blowing engines just holding it up. And there's a guy in the back who's just like, it's his job to monitor. It's like, if that gargoyle deflates, you're fired. (laughs) Like that was his job. Sure. (laughs) And then like, and there's smoke coming out of the nose, which on paper sounds cool. When it's an inflatable doing that to how Austin put it, it looks like the gargoyle vapes. It's <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, I, I love it though. And that's the thing is that like, it might sound like I'm making fun of it. I'm not. I genuinely had so much fun watching this because it just, I love Halloween theme stuff. And for wrestling, it's even funnier because they just go all in on like, you know, the, the cheesiness of it. They know what it is. Yeah. And I almost, appreciate and respect that more rather than someone who's like, no, this is serious. It's like, dude, have some fun. <laughs> this is why I'm hoping. Cause for those that I'm sure you've seen the news, like NXT is bringing back Halloween havoc. There's a part of me that I hope the inflatable gargoyles there. I do too. I well, they'll probably, <laughs> they'll probably put a real like gargoyle oh. statue. I'm not. Yeah. A real gargoyle. <laughs> it's just in a cage, like trying to get out and they're like, don't worry. <laughs> it's fine. But like, I know what you'd be like. Get like a, whether it's that. I mean, 
get like an actual statue made and so where it's not constantly moving around like you're in a bounce house <laughs> yeah they'll they'll just put little gremlins around which actually i want to talk about that later remind me to bring that up because the gremlins 2 which was in the 90s had a hulk mm-hmm. hogan in it and hulk hogan That's is right. a very he's a very important part of this pay-per-view i'm just gonna actually let's just talk about it now before we move on because i'll forget but hulk hogan had a cameo in uh gremlins 2 the new batch which is more of a comedy than the first one and it's hilarious because like you know they they kind of leaned a little bit more into the cheesiness and the more like family friendliness of it which about as gremlins as you can get when the first one was marketed as like hey take your kids to see this movie and then they took their kids and it was like this dark violent murder fest so they had a Hulk Hogan in the second one, which should tell you all you need to know about like the lighthearted tone that they have. And he's in there and instead of getting security or calling a cop, they go into the movie theater and get Hulk Hogan. And he is like, listen up there, little gremlins. I'm going to like, people want to see a movie and drink soda and eat popcorn. Don't make me come up there. And then they put the movie back on because the gremlins ruined the movie by like burning the film. So we missed like two minutes of the movie and we get to see Hulk Hogan. And (laughs) that was, this was the era of that Hogan. Oh yeah. Keep in mind a couple of years beforehand is when they had RoboCop at a WCW pay-per-view. Right. There's a lot going on in this era. There's a lot to unpack about what's happening right now. (laughs) Like we haven't gotten to the matches yet. We're just having to like dress. We have to like lay the foundation of what we're dealing. We have such little context for the actual matches that we're just adding context of what was happening in the world before that. (laughs) Oh, it's true. Cause like, okay. Cause most, um, whether, whatever your personal preference might be for how you think a pay-per-view should start, or like even like just regular weekly shows, whether it's with a promo or with a match or whatever, this show takes so long to get to its first match. I literally had a positive few times going, how long are we going to wait until? Cause I understood the opening, uh, the little opening segment thing. I understood show the stage. Cause they put a lot of work into it as cheesy as it is. Mm-hmm. And then the announcers introduce themselves like, okay, all standard stuff. So let's start the match. No, we have the nitro girls. Look at the sexy dancers. <laughs> Literally. And I'm just like, this is not why people paid money. No, You could tell the crowd was just like, they're like, cool. They're, they're pretty, but th- we're here for wrestling. It's not like- this. that's it was more of a WWE thing which I thought was interesting because WCW was very PG oh yeah and they're just like look at all the pretty women and there wasn't a single women's match on this card which I mean at the time like I understand that there weren't many women's wrestlers but it's just so weird now like watching it and going back and you're just like god like this is weird well especially in WCW at this point with all the who all their main eventers were and whatnot yeah it I'm not saying that makes it like I understand like why just due to how the landscape was and with this being 98, I mean, and even showed like there were some people in the crowd wearing DX shirts. I'm like, that's interesting. You're wearing a DX shirt at a WCW show, yeah. whatever. But, but um, <laughs> that also tells you the era we're in. It's mm-hmm. even WCW is like, okay, we got to be edgier. And this was how they did it while you had the bounce house gargoyle. 
Yeah. And okay. So the first match on the card is Tris, uh, Chris Jericho versus Raven, but correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I, I think my eyes kind of glazed over at a certain point throughout this pay-per-view and I'm like fighting with my memory, but they had Rick Steiner come out first and deliver a yes. promo. That's he weird. Delivered. That's weird. Yes. yes. No, thank you. Okay. It's a common thing they did throughout the whole pay-per-view of for some reason. And even in the nineties do backstage segments have been a thing since wrestling has been on television. Right. So it's not like it was this new fangled thing that only WWE was doing. Uh, so you have Rick Steiner because I mean, he has a really big match going on. Cause they have this big story of like how Scott and Oh, Scott Steiner, the, hurricane of chaos that he is we'll get but, to that <laughs> yeah um they have actually a pretty interesting uh good story of like rick wants to fight his brother and his brother like a good heel is doing everything in his power to avoid fighting him and but instead of getting to the first match we're instead gonna have rick come out to talk to gene Oakland about his match which then Buff Bagwell comes out, or talking about how his lack of a match. Buff Bagwell comes out, says, "Hey, we can team up together and fight uh, Scott and the Giant, aka Big Show." But at the time, he was known as the Giant, and and they talk forever. And you're just sitting there going, "This could be all one done backstage. Two, a lot shorter. Three, do this closer to your actual match." Right, not before Chris Jericho versus Raven. That, yeah, <laughs> like, what, baby? What is you doing? <laughs> Once again, this is what we have yet to have a match. <laughs> We're what at this point? Ten minutes in? Fifteen? Wait, I, I stopped counting. I was like, I don't even know what's going on. I just want I things mean, to happen. And, <laughs> and, and because of that, it people since this pay-per-view has come out because it has that infamous moment where the main event cut out, everyone starts looking at all the obvious things they either could have cut out completely or just shortened to avoid the cutoff. And it was this. <laughs> yeah. And here's the other thing too, because they, they uh, tell him, Hey, if Rick and buff Bagwell can win the tag team match, not only will they become tag team champions, Rick can fight Scott. So they added another, this match, this card originally only had, I think, 10 matches, and they ended up adding two more, quote-unquote, adding two more throughout the night. Which, once again, is like, no wonder they ran into time issues. Yeah, and you know what? Like, this kind of sums it up, but in my notes, all I put was, why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that no, that, that's all I I'm a WCW guy, but that is a valid question for a lot of their decisions. No punctuation, just Why? <laughs> then we move on to Raven versus Chris Jericho, which the it's match decent. itself was actually pretty good. And there's a good story going because uh, Raven, who I want to see if you agree with this. A lot of people said Raven's kind of like the forerunner of later on characters like Bray Wyatt. Yes. No, he absolutely is. Yeah. Cause he had the flock, which was mm -hmm. Perry Saturn and uh, what's the other Billy Kidman. And Leading up to this pay-per-view, the flock, they've, they've disbanded, and Raven's been on a losing streak mm -hmm. where his minions, former minions, have actually been winning and being successful, and which led to the the famous thing that we he's, that people still remember Raven by day. is like, what about me? What about Raven? <laughs> uh, 
which yeah no he he did a good job and he you know he did his famous like you know sitting in the corner and like delivering a promo and thankfully no one attacked him this time i would like that that made me so mad when i saw that video but (laughs) like someone like attacked him in the middle of an interview and Mm. he just like looked at him and then he like went back to it and i was like professional (laughs) oh absolutely like the the little promo work that raven and jericho do before they actually start fighting is fantastic it is funny because the way Jericho's insulting Raven, to your point, shows how, despite them wanting to be edgier, they're still very PG. Yeah, it was like, it was like a hardcore PG. Which take of that what you will, but that was pro wrestling <laughs> in the nineties. <90s. laughs> like, yeah, it's the best way I can describe WCW is hardcore parental PG. guides. Yeah. <laughs> Jericho's sitting there going, "You're a loser." Yeah, you're such a loser, loser, and you're just like. I think he gets it. What are you going to do? Squirt. You going to beat me up. You going to rough me up good. And it, like, not what he said, but the, like, that's it, it most must, of the dialogue that some wrestlers were given at the time. And you, you know, WCW was in a strange point. Cause this was also when they're like, you know what? You guys can say whatever you want on live yeah. TV. And they're like, whatever I want. <laughs> and we know how that went. Oh, oh man! But Scott Steiner and give him a flipping mic. Don't, and, <laughs> and I hope he, you know, if he ever listens to this, we're we're not being mean. It's just I'll eat at Shoney's. Leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> please don't hurt me. <laughs> he so Chris Jericho and Raven have a decent match. It's like eight minutes. It's it's nothing yeah. that crazy. It gets and, his basic story across because yeah. the big thing was uh, Raven like taps out super he used to be like this like mankind level of he could take a ton of pain without actually getting and be fine but mm-hmm. now he was like immediately tapping out the moment you put a submission on him yeah which is interesting yeah and it, that's it, makes how sense. This ends. it was yeah, kind of surprising like, too i was like well like it makes sense but it was initially surprising i was like oh i get okay and he you know decent heel work and he had canyon come out and almost win the match for him and then chris jericho chris jericho yeah, <laughs> it's decent. You know, it was a good starting match, and it should have just been what started the pay per view. Absolutely, because it would it'd be a good uh, it'd be a good starting like thing to get the people going and excited for the rest of the night. Because then you could have had Rick Steiner give his interview. Yeah. yeah, see, that would make sense. But they are like, let's start it off not like that, and I, yeah. it just it it the structure yeah. of my brain just went. Like it started you know the, to snap a little bit. <laughs> yeah. the, the best part of this is uh, this is while WCW is kicking WWE's butt. This is yeah. during the 82 weeks or 83 weeks. Yeah. And then they had, I just wanted to add this on too, was um, <laughs> Raven's theme had like the rhythmic caw. And it's just like, dude, dude, like dude. And he's like, caw, caw. And I was like, this is the most 90s thing. that's why i love this pay-per-view is very much a time capsule yeah it's (laughs) strange but okay so they had an interview after this right yes they interviewed hogan which why like why i know once again his match is not until towards the end you could have had a like three or four more matches then talk to hogan yeah, and they were like, remember what you paid for? Like, kind of, because I, I mean, like, he is, you know, one of their top stars, which 
crazy because he was like 46 at the time that this was happening and and wrestling that's unheard of unless you're like well back then it was now it's not so crazy yeah well well now but at the level that he was doing it it's it's a little mind-boggling you know chris jericho has always you know been an athlete but like this is just crazy and oh yeah I'm looking at it now and like, it's just a weird interview. He's like, I'm going to beat him up brother. Yeah. (laughs) Once again, as you put it so eloquently, honestly, hardcore PG, hardcore PG. And he's like the warrior. I beat him at that other place. (laughs) (laughs) Cause they're avoiding, you know, saying WWE it's the competition unless they're ruining matches, which this company used to ruin match results for WWE in the middle of the ratings war. This was petty, I, dude. <laughs> it was I know petty. So I know. he comes out and says some stuff, and then moves on, and I move on with my brain. And yep. No, <laughs> and and that's we, fair. I mean, because the match is so much later on that you just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and then we have uh, Wrath versus Mang, and Mang is Haku. And for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure wrestling fans are probably like shuddering. Haku. Yep. AKA Mang, you don't mess with that man. You, <laughs> you don't. I'm. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to think of another wrestler that could intimidate him. I don't think there is one. No, he and Taker used to be in like a crew together that would like demand respect. And number one, Taker's already like, I would never step up to Taker. <laughs> one, you had to look up. You had to get on a stool to look at him. I'm not. We're the same height, so it's a. Fault against me too. Yeah, I'd have to be lucky and like go for his knee before he ripped me in half, like Juggernaut did Deadpool. Like that's the, <laughs> that's how I imagine that going. And I'm not a small person, but like it's the Undertaker. <laughs> and to think that him and Haku ran together—they were a team. Yeah, yeah. no, they oh. they made people respect them, and he, you know. Well, either way, uh, that that man is serious business, and I have so oh, much yeah. respect for him. <laughs> so, and that's the yeah. most I can say about this match because this match was like four minutes. Yeah, and... literally four minutes, twenty three seconds, and going against Wrath. Who I'll be perfect. I know he says because like I was a WCW guy. I'll talk more about that when we get to Goldberg because that's when I can just gush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, he's not bad. He's not bad, but I also forgot he existed. I did so too. for me as a WCW guy to say that tells you all you need to know. I know. Like he, he was surprisingly more athletic than I thought. And when he lifted Haku, I was like, oh, oh that's, that's impressive. impressive. Like they did some impressive stuff, but they didn't have time to really flesh out this match. And mm-hmm. which is surprising because when you look at their body of work and you look at like Meng slash Haku's career, you're like, wow, like it's kind of a shame that they didn't get more time because like, you know, both men are like athletic and like, I don't know. It's just, there's not it's much weird. else I can say. <laughs> like, no, it's true. It's true. And then like, we get to go to the guy I like to give a hard time to. Disco Inferno. But he's actually way better. If you listen to me, give him a hard time. He's actually really good. I just like to give him a hard time because his gimmick was silly. Yeah. I, I feel kind of bad for him because he was saddled with something that I would have looked at. If my boss was like, you're going to do this, I would have looked at him and said, no. And <laughs> that it takes was a the, lot. <laughs> no, you understand. He was somehow playing a like even cheesier version of Fondango. Yeah. Which Fondango was actually almost 15 years to the date later. And yeah. 
he would like Disco Inferno used to do what they call fondangoing, which is where they like da 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 and. I'm forgetting yep. that we have no video so people can't see what I'm doing, but yep. it was just like this dance where he pointed up in the sky and like the crowd was actually kind of into it. Dude, and he was, I was like, he got, oh, he's over. Yeah. He, he was great. I don't think he actually went to WWE after this too. No, he, once uh, WCW yeah. told it, he was done. Yeah. At he least did, with the bigger guys. Yeah. He did like impact and like the indies and you know, he's been doing, keeping it like, you know, independent, which is cool, but yeah, you know, obviously he's influential as a wrestler and what he pulled off with this gimmick is impressive. Yeah. This is very much being given lemons and making some pretty good lemonade out of it. I wouldn't call them lemons. <laughs> I would call Fair. them. I'm waiting. You're good. No, it's, we'll move it's on. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I was trying to find a word to describe it, but it's like, you know, when you get limes at the store, and then you cut right. them open and they're dry. Oh, okay. That's fair. It's basically that. I like, I was trying to find the right word for it, but I'm going to keep that silence in so that people know I was thinking, but <laughs> no, of this also goes to like the bigger issue. And I know we're not going to try to give a whole history of WCW while going through this pay-per-view. This would be way too long of an episode, but it is well noted that although the cruiserweights, even though disco is a, I don't think he's actually a cruiserweight. Um, he's like a, I, he's like a good light heavyweight because he yeah. He well, they make jokes about that too. Because even Billy Kidman's like, "Are you sure he's a cruiserweight?" <laughs> and, um, but uh, in WCW, the best division in WCW hands down was the cruiserweights, and it's some of the best wrestling you'll ever watch mm-hmm. when you watch Eddie and Ray and Billy Kidman and Guerrera, uh, the, Disco Inferno. They're like, amazing. Just, yeah. And the way they fly around, the, it looks like physics does not apply to them. But it was also well noted. Uh, the upper management did not care about them. No. And they all. didn't present them as superstars, which is a problem. Because like when people react well to this and then you don't play into that. it, And then they're like, why didn't this work? And it's like, well, you can't just present them as every other guy or as like a subdivision and then be surprised when they're viewed that way. That doesn't make sense. And (laughs) they're still, they're still breaking out of the mold of like, Oh, smaller guys can be superstars as well. And it's like, you see Ray Mysterio become a superstar like he was. And Eddie Guerrero, I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) One of the greatest ever. Yeah. I arguably, like I would say top 10, top five, arguably. But also the interesting thing about this as well is like, because Disco Inferno ends up fighting fighting twice. Because mm-hmm. what they did was, which to another point of how they could have made the night shorter, they could have had this match on Nitro because whoever won this match faces becomes the number one contender and fights Billy Kidman. Literally two matches later. I know. I know. And so you get no time to really rest. So once again, kudos to Disco. Yeah, we're just making that work. He he deserves a lot of credit for what he pulled off, but he was wrestling Guerrera, and it, it was it was it was a good match. You know, it's it, it's it not fun. the best match, but it did pretty well, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. 
it, it, yeah. it's a serviceable match that would definitely fit in more like in today's climate, you know, like they're doing head scissors and mm-hmm. <laughs> flying across the ring and pile drivers, which I miss seeing pile drivers, but they also makes they also make me super anxious because for good reason, uh, like every time I was like, please don't die. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also just I, to your point of just, it, I know it's easy to look at this with 2020 hindsight, and I'm trying not to get like too wrapped up on it, but it's just they did such a good job. And like, especially even though it was cruiserweights, mm-hmm. since there was a size difference between the two guys, they played into that really well. That's also true. That the valid point. <laughs> That's really a really good way to put <laughs> that. Yeah, where Guerrero was just flying around and Disco would just like sh- shoulder check him because he's the bigger guy with the mass. Yeah. Also, Disco went to the University of Georgia. Go dogs. So <laughs> it, it was it cool. had to be done. It had to be done. I do it every time I can. And <laughs> well, you know, um, decent setup for a future match. It was 10 minutes, which, you know, that's, you should have put it on nitro and given Absolutely. them, if not that time, if not a little bit more. And yeah. then we move on to, uh, Alex Wright versus fit Finlay, uh, fit Finley. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I just said that. Don't let him hear that. <laughs> I, I won't, please don't. I, have so much respect and admiration for him. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I really didn't mean it that way. Um, first of all, I don't know why this match happened and fit Finley deserves better. Um, I don't think either of them know why it happened. Yeah. They, I, my guess is that they got there and showed up because that's what you do. Everyone, you know, travels together, works together, even if you're not wrestling that night. And I'm not going to claim to know the ins and outs of the business, but I mean, that's what I would expect because that's just like a pretty typical company policy of like, you know, if you're in a team together and like, you know, even if you're not playing in like an NFL team, you're probably going to show up to the game anyway. And yeah. they're like, Hey, you guys are wrestling. And they're like, okay. And <laughs> I'll have, yeah, like, cause Eric Bischoff actually does have a podcast that he does now. I'll have to see if they have an episode. They sure. Cause it's been going on for about a year, year and a half now. Mm-hmm. There's surely an episode over this pay-per-view. So I'll have to go listen to that to listen to his justification for this match. Yeah. I like I'm not upset about it because like it's always good to see Fit Finley. And he's considerably more old school. He's not the flashiest wrestler, but he, he's scary. He's and he'll beat scary. the crap out of you. Yeah, I, I wrote down, I was like, he looks like that military dad that like is super cool but would absolutely demolish you. If you, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you like, took the wrong turn. Yeah. He's like, he, he is the sweetest. He'll be the sweetest person on the planet until you make him angry. And then you just die. I know a lot of fit Finley love here. You, you will always find that from me. I've very what, little to say about the man. That's bad. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, also the other thing too, that's funny is after disco Inferno with his goofy dance, Alex Wright goes out to the most generic Euro beat techno music. I literally put in my notes. Oh no. Oh no. It's that European techno. <laughs> and he's like, just, he's like, just trying to do like a little dance to it. And people in the crowd are actually doing it. I know they're going along with it. And I was like, you know what? I probably would do it if I was there too. <laughs> well, cause yeah, you paid for it. So try to have some fun. Yeah. And, and then he won. Right? <laughs> he, well, like, I, when he walked out there, I was like, oh my gosh, Fitz going to demolish it. Cause I didn't look up the results beforehand. Cause mm-hmm. I, I only knew like the results of the, the main, main matches. So I, right. 
I was like, okay, like I know what happens with Hogan and Warrior, which we'll get to that. And, yeah. Uh, so I mean, this was. I it's don't a know. five minute match that didn't do anything, and I don't like that. Like we said, Fit deserves better because he's that good and that well respected. And to get the point across, crowds chanting things. Obviously, people think, "Oh, it's a new thing." Mm-hmm. It happened back in the '90s. It didn't happen as often. Yeah. But it still happened. So that tells you, you had to really stink up the place for them to actually start chanting boring. And they did during this match. Yeah. And I think that they were like, they wanted to get to the main matches and these guys just got, I mean, they're literally situated in between Disco Inferno and a Perry Saturn like Lodi match, which not a, you know, not a knock, but like, you know, it's when it comes to like the top guys wrestling later, like people probably came because they wanted to see like the the main eventers, and it, it's re- it's really making me appreciate like how like WWE like will stru- uh, structure their pay per views now. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll have a major match like a fourth of the way in, halfway in, to kind of keep people's attention at the very beginning, like when Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar <laughs> exactly to kick off yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah, like yeah. you need that. <laughs> I know, and like I, I feel like it's just bad placement. And I feel kind of bad for them. And it, it just is what it is. Cause it, it's just like yeah. a short five minute match that doesn't really progress anything. And I was like, man, I wish that, you know, they would have either one more time to do it or two, like a story behind it that, you know, that that's what I would want. And I, exactly. I, yeah. It's wrestling's hard. Man. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause the closest, cause here's the thing. Here's how you know there's, they're, they're struggling. Like when the announcers are having to do all the heavy lifting with storytelling, Mm-hmm. Which is now in a in a great match, the announcers compliment the wrestling. This was not that case. This is where we have no idea why these two are fighting each other, and the announcers are having to fill people in. Yeah. For those of us watching at home, mm-hmm. the people in the stadium don't know. Yeah, and they, you mean, don't hear the announcers. Right. So they're just they're kind of like out of the loop on that, and that's just unfortunate. And there wasn't a video package beforehand, and you know I I feel like people at home kind of got you know like. They had Bobby Heenan on, on oh, commentary gosh. number He's, one. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Is one of the best ever. And, you know, Tony Schiavone and Mike Tanay and like it, it's a good commentary team. It's just it's un, it's not fair, you know. And, oh, yeah. you know, with that, like we have Perry Saturn and Lodi who, again, mm-hmm. three to four minute match. Perry Saturn yeah. looks like a beast. And oh, yeah. he was a big dude. <laughs> oh, gosh. Perry Saturn was a big guy. And, and I don't know if it's true or not that he was actually in the army Rangers, but if he was, then that makes him even scarier. I wouldn't be surprised. I'd have to look that up, but I wouldn't be surprised. He, yeah. uh, you know, beat up Lodi who, uh, or Lodi load or Lodi. We'll say Lodi. Why it's, would I convince myself? It was Lodi. What? It, you're good. You're, no, no, it's, here's the thing. Uh, One Lodi as another guy who is so nineties. It hurts. Cause he looks like the lost member of smash mouth. He looks like he was in Sugar Ray, which I mean is a compliment because one, I love Sugar Ray and I've seen them live. I just immediately when I saw him, I was like Sugar Ray. Yeah, <laughs> that might and have been the well, point. <laughs> it, true, because I mean wrestling likes to reference big things going on in the culture, so that makes sense. Um, but he had an interesting gimmick where like he had these signs, even though some of them made no sense because they're in Vegas and talked about how he loves Texas, and it's like mm-hmm. what. And he would lose his mind if people try to take off with his signs, which was funny. Yeah. He was trying and, really hard, which I have massive respect for. 
Yeah, but it's just I don't like like Wrath earlier. I don't remember Lodi. And yeah, I mean, and it's one of those situations of like if they just had more to work with, and but maybe that was the point. It was just he was just there to kind of feed Perry Saturn because, mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, because he used to be part of the flock with Raven. It was to really show you like how scary Perry now is now that he's not being controlled by Raven. Yeah. He, well, I he mean, did he was scary. a beast. He, he was yeah, an he, absolute beast. Oh yeah. And so maybe that was the point. I don't know. But like to your point, it's three minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah. What on earth are you going to do with that little, like I, I would struggle if you told me that's how much time I had to do a stand up set, let alone wrestling. Right. I mean, dude, like <laughs> if they asked me to go out and do like a three minute wrestling match, I'd probably tear my quad. Like <laughs> I'm not, in, I'm not in the shape. Kevin to do Nash. It. <laughs> oh, God, I keep forgetting that. That poor guy. <laughs> like, that's so like, oh, that's such a painful sounding injury, too. I feel so bad. I like so uh, it's he's a good sport about it. So you're good. Yeah, I just I feel like people harass him so much on like Twitter and stuff like that. And they're like, he blocked me. And he's like, he's a human being with feelings. <laughs> he can only take so much. He doesn't want to deal with that every day. Leave him alone. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, he's made his mistakes, but he was a big, like, and we'll get to that when we get to his match. But like, mm-hmm. people forget how over this man was. Yeah. Well, people loved him. He was popular for a good reason. I loved him. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I get it. And watching this now, too, I was like, you know what? I, I feel like. You know, obviously, like in terms of wrestling, he's so big that it's hard to do flashy moves mm-hmm. that nowadays people are like, oh, well, he's not, you know, great wrestler. We'll get to that. But yeah, um, but next match, which like as we said earlier, Disco Inferno, who has had no time to rest, yeah, has to go back, which is hilarious. He doesn't even put his jacket back on. It just plays his music. And he has a towel over his shoulder. He's still sweating. Like he's like, wait, I have another match. Like he literally got like. Not even 10 minutes of rest time. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, with how short these two matches are. Oh, that's a good point. And was this... Wait, did they have the, the Scott Steiner interview they, before that or after? I think they had it because he had an interview. Uh-huh. I think it was somewhere in between before Disco comes back out. See, the fact that I can't remember just says all you need to know about it. Because but- he also <laughs> had a thing with Kidman where they're asking him how he feels about his odds. And he's like... Oh, I feel like I, I'll find anybody, even yeah. someone who is lying about being a cruiserweight like Disco. I was like, nice, right? And they did not treat <laughs> they did not treat his title with respect because they did a backstage interview with him, which I was like, cool. And then they cut him off halfway through, and I was like, uh huh. What's the point? <laughs> like, why, yeah. are you, why are you gonna try and give him time and then cut him off while he's trying to? And he was talking, and I was like interested. I was like, oh, let's see what he has to. Oh. oh. Okay, I guess we're moving I mean, on. And they're like, yeah, Snickers! Like, and I was like... <laughs> uh, well, before we get... Because I want to talk about the Snickers thing real... But first, if you had cut off like the interviewer talking to him, mm-hmm. like if it had cut off like maybe Billy answers a question and then as he's being asked another question, then it cuts off, it'd be less criminal. Right. But you don't cut off the champ. He was Even talking! With, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you want your champ to be taken seriously, you don't cut him off. But... I think it was funny because we texted each other a little bit yesterday as we were watching and you asked me the question, is this the WCW Halloween Havoc or is this Snickers Halloween Havoc? And I went, yes. <laughs> it's funny because like the whole time they were like, welcome to Snickers Halloween Havoc. And I was like, is it Halloween? Is it WCW Halloween Havoc sponsored by Snickers? Because like th- they used the sponsor 
in the title of it instead of like WCW. I, I was just confused. I don't know. My mind was and, all over the place in this whole pay-per-view. And it's and the <laughs> Snickers logo's right on the mat. So yeah. Snickers, especially now with the network, Snickers is now forever immortalized. So that's from true. a business perspective, that's well that's money well spent. I know. And but it makes me appreciate how WWE, AEW, New Japan, how they handle sponsors now mm-hmm. versus doing stupid things like this where you're, you know, you're texting me like, whose pay-per-view is this? <laughs> so <laughs> all I, can say. I don't want to bring that up. It's just, it, it was so goofy. Cause like, I'll, as soon as you told me that, I, like, I knew you were going to ask that. I was like, or the third option, it's a WCW NWO Halloween Havoc presented by Snickers on the planet earth and the galaxy of the Milky way is like, Oh wait, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) um, uh, No, this was a good match. Again, I don't really have anything to say about it beyond the fact that it was technically sound and Billy Kidman was great. Oh yeah. I was Disco Inferno. Yeah. He fought twice in a short amount of time and he looked good both times made Billy Kidman look like a, like a good fighting champion. Yeah, it was good. I had, I enjoyed it. I just wish that they hadn't been back to back like that because it was just it was weird. Like it wasn't like yeah, a King can't... of the Ring tournament. It was just like here is a match, here's another match, and like these poor mm-hmm. guys are doing everything they can. And, and it just does. And, and I don't know if they wanted to do that as a. Uh, they told him, "Hey, go out there with a the towel over your shoulder because it will look good for the story." It makes, it makes it makes the product look bad because yeah. it makes it look like you did not plan this properly. It, it looks like everything was put together last minute, which. That's that's There's just the nature of wrestling sometimes. Like and that's just live events in general. I mean, I used to work in yeah. I used to work in concerts. <laughs> I I know yeah. what it I know how it rolls sometimes and it that, that's how it happens. Um yeah. Now, but, yeah. the next match. Oh gosh. yeah, no, it is great. Oh no, okay. Gosh. Okay. This is a this these next two matches between the Steiners is a roller coaster because it goes from just like a slog to genuinely entertaining back to a slog back to genuinely entertaining. And they tried their best. I will give them that. This is not bad. Rick Steiner has, yeah, I also say like Rick Steiner's must have been wearing a titanium cup because he took four low blows because the announcers remind you of this multiple times. And I'm like, dude, I'm tapping out after one. Yeah. <laughs> this man took four. <laughs> oh, Rick Steiner's a beast, dude. Oh, no, he look, he's terrifying. And he's like, he just didn't have the crazy chaotic character that his brother did. Or the, the strangely muscular physique that Scott Steiner did, which is not an easy thing to attain. So regardless no matter- of what people say about performance enhancing anything yeah, you still got to work case. out you still yeah. have to get up and lift <laughs> exactly that's true whether no matter whether he did it clean or not he still had to go put the work in yeah i am also not accusing him of it but i mean this guy was just Look a down. genetic monster i i i'm you know i'm not gonna throw it out there holler <laughs> if you hear me wait that's wwe uh yeah holler but, uh, if you hear me and i will say <sighs> it was cool to see a young do you realize how young big show was in this oh dude he was like 25 something he was 25 like he was he's closer to my age like i'm for example i'm about to turn 24 he was 25 at the time he was so young 
He looks like a child. A very giant child. He looks like Big Baby from Rugrats. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I don't mean that. I love Big Show. <laughs> no, he's great. And just what it was, it was that funny moment where I had it like, oh, right. When he had long flowing hair. Yeah, he, but, um, he did have a great head of hair. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw him walk out and I was like, that. Wow, that's impressive hair. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, to lay this out. Okay. So as we said earlier. Rick and Buff need to defeat the Giant and Scott Steiner to become tag team champs. And if they win and become the champs, Rick gets to fight uh, Scott for at least with a 15 minute time limit. Obviously, it's not going to go that long. Those rarely, the time limit rarely gets brought into play, but at least, or like, I think it was 10 minutes, whatever it was. Basically, if he wins, he gets his hands on his brother. It's been a long running story. And immediately, Buff Bagwell betrays Rick Steiner. Yeah, without hesitation. He just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which was weird because it's like it showed... Which I mean, I get what they're trying to tell story-wise of Buff fooled everyone, making it seem like he left the uh, black and white NWO. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing about WCW at the time is this is when they had too many factions because you have the black and white NWO, you have the NWO Wolfpack, you have the LWO, Blue Meanie created the BWO. It's it's, it's it was, too much of a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Less is more. Mm-hmm. And there's also too many members in both factions, in the two big ones. Yep. But, um, <laughs> but it turned out it was a fake. Buff immediately betrays Rick Steiner. And it was funny. Cause I love the fact that he like betrayed him and he was jumping around like he just won the Super Bowl. I was laughing really And then hard. ran off. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that because it just of how rapid everything was. I was like, come on. <laughs> I know. It's like, that's like, it has to be like a super slow. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be breaking bad level of slow burn, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be that quick. I know. It, I almost think it worked better. <laughs> In a way. yeah. Because we knew the whole time, like the moment Buff Bagwell came out, I was like, he's going to turn on him. And it it was kind of funny. And first of all, Buff Bagwell, first of all, Buff. Second of all, he's Buff and he is the stuff. I do see what they saw in him at the time, though. Like, I I know, like, he kind of got unlucky in WWE. But, like, at the time, I was like, yeah, like, I probably would have wanted that guy to be one of the, you know, the higher end guys, too. I I would want him to be in the main event, too. I (laughs) like he's right. Look, part of pro wrestling is to have a look. Mm-hmm. And he had it in spades. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he was a bit, he's this big buff looking guy <laughs> that just, yeah, I know. It's, I'm sorry, the jokes make themselves, but dang it. But you have this big dude that just, he looks great. He, know, he knows how to find the camera like a heat sticking missile mm-hmm. and just smile right at it and just be corny and, especially when he's a heel, he knows how to make you hate him. Yeah. And just have a, that grin that we're just like, someone needs to punch him or I'll go do it myself. Yeah. Like, it, it's great I, work. It's great work from him. And like and going back and watching it now, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I see this, I get this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Despite what happened, would go on, what, how his career would eventually pan out. It makes sense why he was given the chance. It does. And so after he, like I said, like celebrates, like he just won the Super Bowl, And then, which is it, the weird part to me is that he just runs off and doesn't come back until much later. 
And I was like, okay. Uh, and the giant and Scott Steiner just start wailing on Rick. I was like, dude, just pin him already. You're clearly going to win. And Rick, to his credit, like to prove how tough he is, he just always kicks out. Yeah. And my favorite was towards the end because Rick ends up winning this match. So he becomes solo tag team champion, which is hilarious. And uh, one of the funnier moments is, does Buff come out during this match or the other match? Or the next, or when he's fighting Scott by himself? I think it's when he's fighting Scott by himself. Okay. But this is when, um, because the the, uh, the giant, aka Big Show, is like lifting him up. Like he wouldn't count the pennies. Like one, oh, one, oh. (laughs) That's when you're his son. I wish more giant guys like that would do that. Mm -hmm. Because it's just something unique that they can get away with. Yeah, it, it that is a very valid point. I, yeah, it's <laughs> like if someone like like in today's landscape, like someone like Braun or Keith Lee could easily do that, and it would be one hundred percent believable. I think Braun did do it a couple times, which is actually kind of funny. It, yeah, it's believable because it's like at his size, like yeah, this match ends when he says it ends. Yeah, <laughs> I believe but, it. Uh, and uh, this is when what became a strange theme throughout the night of the giant costing people matches. Right. Oh man, they did him dirty. Well, he was he's young and he's seven feet tall, so it's like he can immediately become a threat whenever they want him to be. And you can't teach that. True. (laughs) (laughs) Probably didn't see that coming, did you? (laughs) Honestly, no, so you got me there. (laughs) But um he goes for a missile drop kick. Yeah. Which holy crud. That was surprising. And Scott Steiner looks like he just got shot when he gets hit by it. <laughs> he sold it. He sold it so oh my well. Because, okay, because Scott's holding up Rick because he's going to get hit by the missile dropkick, which I'm just like, you already know this is going to go wrong because logically you're like, that dropkick's going to still hurt you too, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, And Rick gets out of the way and the dropkick hits Scott. And he is like upside down, caught in the ropes. <laughs> Looking like the man just got hit by a truck, which to be fair, you kind of do when someone that big kicks you. Yeah, you don't want to get hit by someone that big. It's going to (laughs) hurt. And it opened up. uh, It opened up the opportunity for Rick to win. (laughs) And then they got to go into the single match, which I forgot. And this is kudos to the announcers for trying to find justification for this because like scott and the the nwo throughout the night they just constantly break the rules yeah and the refs never call them out on it and and the announcers are doing a really good job which tony Giovanni, like that's because he is that good especially like you said earlier like one of the best ever with bobby heenan they were able to justify it all night mm-hmm. of like oh well you know i guess like they did help get this pay-per-view made so they're going to get away with stuff. And there's because Eric Bischoff is part of the NWO at this time. So I guess you could argue he lets them do whatever they want. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was just funny. Cause then like immediately when it's a one-on-one match, Scott, like more NWO members start coming out and Rick just starts getting the crap being out of them again. <laughs> but I do have to say the crowd popped like crazy when Rick was initially like just getting his hands on Scott, the crowd went nuts. 
yeah, they they were invested in this. This was like right before we started getting to like, you know, some of the bigger matches on the card, and they were so invested in this. And I was actually really surprised because I hadn't really seen Rick Steiner like wrestle in WCW. So I was like, right. oh my gosh, like this man can go. <laughs> like, he he was part of one of the best tag teams of all time for nothing. That's a uh, fair point. But uh, yeah, like. <laughs> and then, of course, this guy comes out dressed like Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, and of course, Bobby, he's like, what? The president's here? It's like, sir. <laughs> and, uh, of course, it's Buff Bagwell. For some reason, had to go change. He couldn't just run back out. I, whatever. I, <laughs> like, whatever. Word, word salad, whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and once again, it's, I think this when Steiner gets his fourth low blow. Because mm-hmm. apparently, like I say, he either has the world's greatest cup or he has far more endurance than I, or far more uh, durability than I ever will down there. Rick, everybody hates Rick Steiner's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, clearly. Like a sitcom about Lord. that. <laughs> Man. It's like there's so many other ways you can hurt someone, like hurt, quote unquote, in pro wrestling without resorting to just that. Yeah. But, um, but they did it. <laughs> exactly. But... It was pretty hype, I gotta admit, when the ref who gets knocked out and, of course, they beat up on him to make sure he stays out, which I'm like, dude, they're made out of paper mache. All you gotta do is breathe on them. Yeah, they'll, um, they'll go down. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, they'll stay down. Um, <laughs> For a long time. <laughs> uh, it was pretty hype, though, when Buff grabs the ref and he's mm-hmm. counting for him. <laughs> and when he almost gets to three, Rick, like, uh, gets out of it and the crowd like starts to pop and get back into it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it was great. And I think that like in the moment I can see why it was just hype, which it, it was, but yeah. it, it got me thinking. Buff Bagwell's pretty much the ref now. Yeah. You could have just counted the three. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I know I'm nitpicking because that's not the point. But (laughs) I know what you're saying, especially since Eric Bischoff is part of the NWO, he would allow it. Mm -hmm. But I also know the the story they're trying to tell. Like we're telling you the highlights. There there are a couple of slogs in this, but the bigger story they're getting to is that Rick's Rick Steiner finally gets to beat up Scott. Mm -hmm. and Oh boy, does he? Yeah. When they, when they're going at it, when they really take off, it's a great match. It's, it's like really good, but there's times where it's like, it's, it slows down a little bit and you're like, uh, but I, I actually kind of had fun with these two matches because like it, it's a it, roller coaster and I was invested the whole time because I was like, this is actually really interesting, even if it's crazy. That's the key is you. I will say this, despite all the craziness and the weirdness, especially when more NWO members, Stevie Ray just kind of gets popped out and he's like, I'm not going to try a second time. Screw this. Mm-hmm. And I forget what they call him in WCW, but Virgil tries and gets hit <laughs> and um uh y- you're invested because you're just they did a really good job having you cheer of having you get behind rick steiner being like come on dude you can do it i know you can do it and then he finally did it and the crowd went nuts yeah it was i i don't know that was cool that was probably like if they'd kept that right in the middle and like kind of condensed some of the other stuff or put the matches on nitro. Like I said, like I feel like it would have been a lot more, even more emotional and more energetic just because they would have had more time. 
And Absolutely. the crowd would have been more into it because they, you know, weren't as tired or weren't as confused as to what like exactly was going down. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. But I I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> oh yeah. And because technically these are two separate matches, but you might as well put them together. And that makes them the uh actually no, still not the long one of the longer matches. Because mm-hmm. from here on, like in terms of like main event talent, that it's all main event guys from here on. And these matches go on a little longer than they should. Um, one in particular, but yes. One in particular. But the Scott Hall and Kevin Nash match, which actually had a video package, number one. Uh, <laughs> which was cool. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it needed it. And, it, you know, it set up the story for what was going on, which was definitely the main focus at the time. But I actually enjoyed this match. No, I did too. And, uh, well, I did like that they kind of did like a, I forget the, uh, the little toy thing you do when you pull on the lever and you go between the different pictures, pictogram or something. Like, I know what I you're like, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's how they presented it. I thought that was cheap, nice and cheesy. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Perfect. WCW but, um, like aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to give it appreciation real quick. Cause I know he kind of gets overlooked, especially cause he didn't get, he never had a main title run cause he never wanted one, which mm-hmm. is crazy to think about. And that's how good of a heel Scott Hall is. Yeah. <laughs> that He's, man knows how to be hated. This reminded me how good he was at being, well, I mean, he is the bad guy. So yeah. <laughs> it's a little silly that I'm like, oh, I forgot, but <laughs> you know, he, well, you he also hasn't wrestled in a really long time, especially in my generation. And he was, I was like, wow, he's really like, I get why people are so invested in him and like Kevin Nash too. Like, yeah, poor Kevin Nash, man. He didn't, you know, like, especially like when he had his title match, like it just wasn't, you know, like, you know, it was at a time where like WWE wasn't at its peak and, but it, and I don't blame him for that because look at how popular he was. (laughs) Like, yeah, he, I mean, he went to WCW and became a big deal and, that's why people were also super invested in this match because look, people still talk about the outsiders and getting Hogan to join them and form the original trio of the NWO to this day. Mm-hmm. There are guys that like, I got to say the, the amount of nostalgia that like filled like my soul every time I heard the NWO music. Mm-hmm. And especially when I finally heard the Wolfpack music, cause I liked the Wolfpack more than I liked Hollywood. Fair, fair. And Looks like I was just a big Kevin Nash guy. And it's just, I, I that's why I'm happy that you understand like why they, people loved this so much back then. Oh, it makes sense. Cause yeah. Cause it's like, I was all about it. I loved it. Like I said, yeah, Scott being perfect about just really just being a evil person. So on the back of his jacket when it says like lone wolf to make fun of the wolf pack, <laughs> like doing everything possible to just, be hated and before the match even gets started he beats the crap out of kevin nash and chokes him out with a wire yeah which that was considerably more violent than i was expecting it to be i <laughs> was not expecting that i knew that yeah. he would do some you know some villainous stuff but when he started choking him with the xlr cable i was like oh like <laughs> hold on yeah. a second <laughs> i forgot about that too i was like this escalated yeah but, um, I, whoa uh, and like so to your point like Kevin Nash, when he, like, slide backtrack before we get to the, when Kevin got his revenge on Scott, because boy, did he. Yeah. Um, 
in glorious fashion. Out, oh yeah. When Nash came out and like, and he put his arm up and the fire is going, seeing the crowd reaction is like, I know there's a lot of things you can say against him. And you mentioned it earlier about since he was big and he's not very fast. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, he's not the can, most athletic person, but that isn't the point of his character, you know? <laughs> oh, he's powerful. And that's the point. Yeah. He has all the, he, it's the, if he gets his hands on you, you're dead. Yeah. He, he was a big boy, but so is Scott Hall. <laughs> yeah, people forget that Scott Hall's six seven. Yeah, these are two massive dudes, like almost the same size. Like, number one, they both have great hair at the time too. Like Kevin Nash. Number like yep. I know I'm going to keep pointing that out, but like when I see great hair, I acknowledge it. And <laughs> fair. <laughs> oh yeah, there there was that, and like you know this this match when I first saw it on the card, I was like, okay here's the deal. I'm going to approach this as a storytelling match because I know right. that it's not going to be a technical masterclass and they're no. not trying to do that. And I think from a storytelling perspective, it actually worked pretty well. Like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, five star. Wow. I'm so blown away, but it was a lot better than I think most people nowadays would admit. Exactly. And I think that's where it happens is you see all the stuff nowadays. And it's just like, not every match has to have a, crazy like double i know it's not a real thing but just roll with me double reverse hurricanrana um yeah. <laughs> or a tope suicida thank you i know that's the meme of like not every match needs that which ends um, up as a flying headbutt because they're both so tall <laughs> no matter who does it they're just gonna headbutt each other <laughs> exactly oh but just basic storytelling and the story in this is that hall and nash are they were the well, and actually in real life, they're best of friends. Mm-hmm. And they came to WCW together, formed the Outsiders, formed the NWO. And then when Nash formed the Wolf Pack, Hall joined him. Then Hall betrayed him because he's like, hey, man, I just want to make money. And I'm basically, it, it's a little vague, but it was more of the, I'm betraying you because I want to make more money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but that's also relatable because that's, that's life. Money has does ruin friendships all the time. Oh yeah. So that's real. That's why I think people can get invested in that. And it is uh, a well-known fact that Scott Hall had a lot of problems with alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Nash was like, all right, I've tried being the supportive friend. That's going to be like there for you. Now I'm going to be, be the tough love friend. Who's going to beat the sense into you. And and that he does. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we get to where we are now. We mentioned earlier, like Hall just chokes him out the XLR, uh, XLR cable. Mm-hmm. And then as, as Nash is laying there, which is the interesting thing about this match is like after Hall chokes out Nash and it has a pretty cool little visual where Nash is, as the doctors are looking over him, it's like within the smoke, which I kind of thought was a nice little visual touch. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely accidental, but it still worked. Hall immediately gets on the mic and just starts talking so much smack to him. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Hey, he's like, see, this is why he goes, you're soft. You can't fight me. You can't, you know, you're, you know, terrible. And as we were alluding to Nash proceeds to murder Scott Hall. In the most like heroic non villainous way that you kind of can when you've, (laughs) when you've turned to the, the wolf pack, yeah, it was it was kind of aggressive. I was like, oh, <laughs> like okay. I mean, it, 
it end the song, you don't turn your back on the wolf pack, or you'll end up in a body bag. And Kevin Nash lived up to that lyric. He did. <laughs> because they he just starts wailing on them and you know, slide you know, with slams and then gives them and to his credit, like I said, Scott Hall is six seven. Not the easiest man to power bomb. No. <laughs> so the first one is pretty sloppy. We'll just call a spade a spade. Yeah. But once again, that's a big man you're lifting. So <laughs> you have to give it you have to get a guy that big seven feet up. So uh and of course Nash starts talking mad crap to him, being like, Oh, you want another shot? Here's another shot. Oh, let me give you a double. And I'm like, dude, calm down. Yeah. And then he <laughs> <laughs> demolishes him even further. Yeah, and after he gives the power bomb, which the crowd goes nuts for, mm-hmm. uh, which once again, I think tells you how well Scott played his part of being a heel, a good heel. You can tell when they've done their job. Well, is when the crowd is so happy. They're finally getting the tar beaten out of them. Yeah, they were, they were pretty stoked about it. And I noticed that too. Cause I was like, yeah, like, you know, the story's pretty good. Let's see how the crowd reacts to it. And they were, they were all in for it. So I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> and uh and it was funny because after he did the first power bomb, he just looks at the crowd and like with this like stunned look on his face, like, oh, I actually was able to power bomb him. And he looks around. He's he's, he's so like, pleased. He's like, yes. <laughs> which tells me they did not practice that at all. No. So, <laughs> and, uh, so he just looks around and goes, one more? And the crowd just starts going nuts, like, one more time. And he goes, Okay, one more time then. And the second power bomb, though still a little sloppy, looks a mu- looks a lot better. Yeah, I mean it's hard to power bomb a huge dude like that, like he said. Oh yeah, and the interesting twist that I completely forgot that happens once Scott is laying there like he is dead. Nash just walks away. Yeah, he gets counted out, and I was like, huh, okay. And then, <laughs> and once again, kudos to the announcers for being like. Because, of course, you know, Bobby, because he's a heel commentator, is like, wait, what are you doing? Pin the man. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you've given him two power balls. You just put his foot on him at this point. And Tony, luckily, was like, no, the, he just wanted to send a point to him of like, you know, just basically like, I don't know, like punishment and discipline of like, you know, you're my friend, but I have to get this point across to you. And he's like, yeah, and that's all he wanted. He didn't care about winning. He just wanted to, you know, do what he needed to do against his friend. I'm like, that's unique, but also weird because pro wrestling is about wins and losses. Yeah, I, I think it was to extend the the feud a little longer. Too. Well, I mean, it was going to go on, but like, I think it was just a, a way to add a wrinkle to the story. Of course. And like I said, so it's unique. And I'll give him that. I've never seen a guy willingly get himself counted out like that. That wasn't a heel. Yeah. Usually it's the heel. that's like trying not to lose a title or right. something. <laughs> that's the, yeah. Just l- loses by DQ, but keeps his title. Yeah. That's the first time I've seen a uh, baby face. That's just like, all right, I came, I saw, I, d- I sent him six feet under. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple as that. I, yeah, I, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say about that, but you know, it, it, it's better than it gets credit for, I think. And it's kind of like forgotten on this pay-per-view because of some of the other stuff we're going to talk about. But, <laughs> yeah. um, 
well, the next match was actually really good. Yes, I, it was. Like two world class people. Whoa, dude! Like I didn't realize that this was on here, and it was Bret Hart versus Sting for the United States Heavyweight Championship. And yep. first of all, Bret Hart is so good as a villain, and I love That's him the for job. It. <laughs> I mean, I understand why they would make him a babyface in WWE because he was, you know bright colors and ease to sell merchandise, but man, he's so good as a heel. I know. And like, especially since, you know, like his, his match with Austin at WrestleMania, I was like, this man is just so good at what he does. And he's, he's almost a natural heel too, because even though he's not a big dude, he, his character work is great. And he his kind technical of reminds me wrestling. Of like a, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like he reminds me of a heel, Daniel Bryan of, he's not the biggest guy, mm-hmm. but he just, it's like the it's like with dodgeball. I'm better than you, and I know it. <laughs> it's it's mental games, and he plays that the whole time, just rolling out of the ring, keeps messing with him, tries to cheat every chance he gets. I I do want to ask you, mm-hmm. how do you feel about Sting with a goatee and the face paint? It's not my favorite look of his, but that I mean that Name. it's not like it's bad. Like Sting's Sting's great. But oh, yeah. I just I wasn't a fan of it because I could see it and it kind of reminded me of like Cesar Romero's Joker where you could see the mustache. <laughs> you could see his mustache under the face paint. And I was just like. It hurt me <laughs> I know, like him having the soul patch. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's acceptable. But a whole goatee. I'm just like, I get you're trying to go for a different look because you're part of the wolf pack. Yeah, but <sighs> just stick to red face paint, my guy. Yeah, and like I said, if you're gonna have any facial hair, just the goatee because that's acceptable. Not the, the, the yeah. uh, soul patch. Yeah, it it, it was just kind of weird, but like again, a really good match. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> and, well these are two absolute pros. Yeah, Sting is, you know, he was the best guy to never step foot in WWE up until 2014, and mm-hmm. even when he came back, he still looked much better than he had any right to. And Absolutely, yeah, man is mid fifties <laughs> and he looked amazing. Yeah, he's killing it. I enjoy this was probably my second favorite match. No, it, it wasn't probably. This was my second favorite match on the card. <laughs> um, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's just so good. And it I think it came too late again, just a pacing thing. But Cause th- this would have been cool to have earlier amongst all the other shorter matches. It, exactly. That That's what I'm thinking. Like if this was the first opening match. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would be a great call. Yeah, and also would have forced everyone else to step their game up. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, everyone, you know, came to wrestle, but, like, it just uh, imagining this pay-per-view starting that way, I think would have led to a lot of people having more confidence in what they were going out to do, which I don't know oh, yeah. how the confidence was backstage, but that's just a theory. I don't know. <laughs> I understand. I was it, two. There, there's, look, I wasn't, I, yeah, you're two, I was seven. It's like, we can guess all day, but I will say I did like their, um, the big, I mean, obviously they're feuding for the title, but the other thing they're feuding over is they have the exact same finisher and they want to see whose is better. I'm so and that's hilarious. That. <laughs> it's such a silly concept that actually kind of worked because these two men are so good, but every time it gets brought up, I'm like, don't say it. Just don't yeah. say it. I'd rather just view this as a match between two greats. <laughs> like, oh, I know, but I, I, I don't know. I kind of like that because it kind of reminds me of the missed opportunity mm-hmm. where they never had the rock and Booker T 
fight oh. because the book in and the rock bottom are the exact same move. I know they're so. <sighs> so that's just why I just, it remind. <laughs> and when I saw how good this was, I was like, "See, there's the point. Like, the justification yeah. for a match doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a Christopher Nolan level complex. It can be something simple. Yeah, like we have the same finisher. Let's see who does it better. Right. It, I mean, it's a little bit more like I would put it above. Uh, like a hair shampoo commercial, which yeah. you know what I'm referencing. Yeah. <laughs> it would not a bad thing because the talent involved was great, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. And it's stunning the caliber of this match, which I mean, you know, it's, it's just straightforward. It's good. It's a great match. Bret Hart was awesome. Sting was awesome as usual. The use of the baseball bat, a great ref bump too. I believed it. And, Dude. Him, and the fact that he just laid there dead for so long. Well, yeah, but it, I understood it. I was like, yeah, you know what? I could see that. Whereas like, sometimes they get like nudged with a knee and they're just like, Oh, I know. Ugh. And yeah, man, like they just took a claymore kick and you're yeah. like, hold on. They act like they're actually dead. And <laughs> like, so can we talk about when, uh, I can't remember the stinger Brett that threw the other into the turnbuckle mm-hmm. and they perfectly jumped over the ref. Oh, it was amazing. It was such a good save. Like, these are bros. Yeah, I was like, these men came to take care of business, and they are so aware of their surroundings. Like, this, honestly, this match, like, you know, the Goldberg versus DDP match later in the night is a classic that needs to be watched. I would watch the Bret Hart versus Sting match as well, too. Like, the best mm-hmm. compliment that I can give it is that you need to watch it to know that it's it's just a good, a really good, solid match between yeah, people that you know will probably end up on DVDs between the two at some point about some of their you know highlights in their careers. Oh yeah. And it also had a unique ending. Like we talked mm-hmm. about earlier with with Kevin Nash. It's had a unique ending that I I mean I've seen it before but it's not used very often. Mm-hmm. So what happened is Sting goes for the great Stinger splash which I just quick side note I loved how until he came to WWE, whenever someone would do a stinger splash, they had to call it everything but that. <laughs> always cracked me up. Yeah. But um, as, as a WCW mark, I always smiled when I would watch him struggle. But um, uh, and he goes for a stinger splash, but he jumps too high and hits his head on the term on the back post, mm-hmm. which dazes him. And of course, Bret Hart is knocked, and he ends up like Bret Hart takes advantage of it, hits him, and gets him like hung over the ropes and Brett gets the bat and just starts wailing on him. Yeah. It was brutal. Like, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that I know Brett Hart is an absolute professional, mm-hmm. I would think that he just legitimately injured Sting. Yeah. But I know like Brett's a pro and he, those shots were put in the right spot. Yeah. He, he and, didn't hurt him, but he made it look like he could have. Yeah. He maintained the illusion. Well, is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And that's why I knew like Sting wasn't actually in trouble because Brett's not that kind of person. Um, <laughs> he just hits him with a bat on live. Oh, that'd be awful. Oh, oof. oh it was yeah, like it, when uh, when Triple H, when he had the rubber hammer and it like oh, accidentally gosh. hurt someone one time and he immediately went to like, I'm never doing that again, which smart. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, yep. That is the right move. Uh, but um, so it was unique because Sting just lays there. Mm-hmm. He's and, dead. He's, he's yeah, been killed. basically. Yeah. He's, he, and he sells it like he's dead. Like yeah. you could just someone call Paul bearer. We need to bury this man. Um, and 
of course, Brett, of course, being the villain, because even the announcers were like, they're trying to like, look, we understand taking advantage of a wrestler that makes a mistake, but not like this. And they're doing the whole like, not like this. Don't win that way. Win this way. Yeah. And <laughs> Brett being a great heel just locks in the uh, sharpshooter and just leaves it on. Despite the fact he knows Steen can't tap. Yep. And knocks him out. Winner by knockout. Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, and of course, then they have the whole thing of that. They get Sting on like a stretcher and get him out, which is once again, also really selling what Bret Hart did. Yeah. And it didn't take too long either. They just yeah, went sometimes in there and take, got him. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes those take forever and you're just like, okay, look, I know he's not actually hurt. Speed this up. Yeah. You're like, this is painful. <laughs> yeah. But a good end of the match. Let's get to the painful stuff though. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So everyone knew this match was coming. And unless you didn't, which if you didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> Surprise. Don't worry. It we will end this episode on a much better note. Exactly. Hollywood Hogan versus the Warrior. The Warrior. Also known yeah. as the Ultimate Warrior. But this time he's got lightning and thunder in his theme song. Yep. And that's about it. <laughs> now okay I, we talked about this earlier before we started recording i understand mm-hmm. on paper why this match was made mm-hmm. because warrior's best match ever hands down not even a contest is against hogan in 1990 at wrestlemania 6 mm-hmm. um so the idea because the year before it i think it was a halloween havoc hogan faced piper Longtime rival, and the roles were reversed. Piper is now the good guy, Hogan was now the bad guy, which mm-hmm. was a great change up to that formula. So they want to try it again of let's get another one of Hogan's big rivals, have them fight each other again. It's like Warrior's best match was against Hogan, so even if it's not as good as that one, it can still be decent. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Well, multiple problems. This is also eight years later i think to your point you said hogan was 46 hogan was 46 when this match happened exactly so he's not in his well in wrestling prime like he was eight years ago he is now an older man who like and you'll notice like we even said how like on aew with like chris jericho because he's about 46 47 now i think he's 49 or for well i'm (laughs) corrected 49 so you'll notice he has a lot of younger guys to help mask the fact that he's an old man. Yeah. So, but Hogan didn't have that. He had warrior who was younger, but not by a ton and who wasn't a good wrestler to begin with. He was and, known for his energy and like just doing stuff that looked like it hurt, which it probably usually did hurt people. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I know. I know. No. <laughs> look, look, it, for those that don't know, Warrior is a very polarizing person for so if people that don't have very, very strong negative opinions like Austin does and he's holding himself back, it's understandable. And if you don't understand why, just do a quick search. Yeah. Now it's not hard to um, find. <laughs> exactly. No, it's yeah. But um so you have two old well, one old man for sure, warrior who's older. And one who wrestles and, like an old man. Exactly. You have an actual old man and a guy who wrestles like an old man. And 
I think you made the joke of when Hogan has the smaller ego in the match, something's wrong. Oh my and, gosh, man. This is just And so you have someone like Warrior who's not willing to sell or bump, which I get that to an extent. Part of that is his character. Mm-hmm. But he does it to the point of like, dude, you're ruining the match. And he's known for big power moves. So it this should be a quick at the most seven minute match where they it's like the King Kong Godzilla. Thank Brock Lesnar Goldberg at WrestleMania. Exactly. That's what it should have been. The, the, the good one, not the <laughs> bad one. Yeah, the, um, the 33 one. Yeah, where they just weld on each other until one of them falls. That's what they <laughs> should have done, but they didn't. Ho- like, I don't know if it was Hogan's idea that he wanted to actually try to have an actual match with Warrior, which, and like I said, we don't know with the backstage and so I don't know what was going on with the planning of this. If maybe Hogan's like, hey, let's do a quick match. And Warrior said, no, well, let's make it longer. I doubt I don't that know. he said that. <laughs> I, I know, but like, I don't, I don't know. I, cause it, it, cause this match is so slow. It literally, the first, this is a 14 minute match where seven of it is Hogan, like, hold, like they're trying to do like the power contest of who is stronger when they're pushing on each other, mm-hmm. which is fine to do for maybe, I don't know, 10 seconds. Not for seven minutes. And <sighs> I'm struggling to find the words, but I'm looking at right now because like the, okay. Number one, these men aren't known for their agility. They're known for just being larger than life characters that wrestle incredibly slow. And that was the eighties, which people loved it in the eighties. Makes sense. Yeah. Now <laughs> you need it. He needed someone smaller. In fact, he needed like like a Chris Jericho or yeah. a Bret Hart or Sting or mm-hmm. heck, Perry Saturn would have been great. If Hogan uh, had wrestled Chris Jericho, this match would have been excellent because I know that Hogan could have played off of him really well. And they would have been a perfect complement for each other, yeah. honestly. Yeah, and not Warrior because no. I just... If, like, you're, if you guys I, are fans of him, I mean... You gotta separate the character from the so first word. I'm trying so Look, hard. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I will, I will care because I know we will both have a ton to say about the about the final Thank match. You. So Thank I'll you. I'll help you with this. So, um, uh, there, it's a situation. I don't know. If I, Hogan's doing what he can, but he you're working with a brick. Yeah, and, you're working with someone uh, who has been in the industry for over a decade, but still doesn't know how to wrestle. Exactly. Whereas say what you want about Hogan. He is professional and he wants to actually try and have a good match. And he proved in Japan that he can do technical stuff and actually wrestle a match. Exactly. And, and like I said, that's why I get on paper because it's like, hey, lightning strike struck once. Let's see if it can strike again. And it didn't. And Let's just get to the spot that everyone that is aware of this match is waiting for us to talk about. Oh my gosh. I laughed so hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for those that don't understand the fireball spot in wrestling, let me quickly explain it. Cause it's very carny. There's a reason why you see nobody doing it anymore. Except maybe like in the Indies. I know Jerry Lawler still does it. Cause that man still wrestles, which I, it's fine. He scares me too. So you do you Jerry. Um, but uh, the fireball spot, is where you get like this like cloth, you douse it in lighter stuff, 
And when you light it, you throw it up in the person's face because it's supposed to blind them. And it's obviously it's a heel tactic. It's supposed to give them an opening so they can start wailing on the person. Hogan preps it. And he blames himself, which I give the man credit for being willing to take the L on this. Yeah, and it, it was an accident on his end, which it yeah. happens. Because Warrior, well, one, Warrior was not in the right spot, even if it had gone well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so that's the thing. Even if Hogan did it correctly, it still would have messed up because Warrior was not in the right, was not close enough for it to look believable. Oh, God. And um, Hogan goes to light it. And instead of it, like, just kind of lighting to where he'd have a split second to throw it up at Warrior, it just immediately blows up in his face and singes his mustache and eyebrows. And he does try to throw it up a little bit, but Warrior's a solid, like, three, four feet away. So it's just like, ooh, fire. It just is so confusing. Like, because you, you see what he's trying to do, and then it just explodes in his face, and he's like, arg, And then, like, everyone in the back's just like, what do we do? And oh, man. the only way that I can describe the final run of this match is that it's it's just limp. It's, it is. It is. Limp. No, it's just, it's sorry. Here at, and I understand. No, it. you're right. And I could, that's why I do, I'll give the man credit for taking the L. Because I think that's why he is immediately calling an audible. He's like, look, this is going like really bad. Let's just wrap this up and get out of here. And, um, because they had to improv, they have they had to improv a finish, where his nephew Horace, Horace, uh, Horace Hogan, brother, um, who Hogan basically tried to murder a week before, comes out with a steel chair, and you're thinking, oh, he's gonna hit Hogan, so war, you know, because that's the, they even show like on the camera he has stitches in his head. It makes all the sense in the world for him to hit his uncle. He hits Warrior with, and I quote from Sports Illustrated, the most unsatisfying chair shot in history. Warrior falls. Hogan pins him. One, two, three. We're done. This match was a wet biscuit. Yeah. It it was like getting slapped with like a dry chicken patty that you got like. Okay, I'm being mean. I mean, no, (laughs) look, the thing is, they would, Hogan would probably agree with you with everything you just said, because to this day, he goes, this is, well, he, I think he takes too much of the blame. He's like, this is 100% my fault. I'm like, not 100. Yeah, I I disagree with him on that. (laughs) I was like, do you have fault to take? Absolutely. Not 100. Yeah. But um, everyone has a bad day, and this was their bad day. And, you know, they, they've taken responsibility for it because, like, this match is just, like, to put it nicely. It's one of the worst in history. It's awful. And it's just what it is. That's not me being mean. That's me just speaking to 100% of the world's opinion. And Yeah. <laughs> Though I will say, they, the, what they did after the match was over, mm-hmm. I guess to try and get, like, some heat on it to try and be like, I guess for this not to be a complete waste. Mm-hmm. They start dousing Warrior in like lighter fluid, mm-hmm. and Hogan looks like he's about to light Warrior on fire when he gets stopped by like officials. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Okay, I get what you're trying. They're trying. You're trying to make sure. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to be like, we gotta salvage this somehow. <laughs> they're doing their best. <laughs> I get like, I don't, it's just, uh, I don't know. And going back and watching this match now, and like, I'm, I'm sure this goes without being said, but like, 
Hogan has obviously had controversy around him and he's, you know, made some mistakes and that's very obvious. And that's, it's kind of weird going back and watching a lot of his matches now, knowing some things that have number one happened and things that he's also said, which are, you know, pretty inexcusable. And it's just like uncomfortable to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, warrior obviously has said some horrendous, horrendous stuff and done things that are completely inappropriate and unprofessional. And it's just like weird. Like, I I don't know if that was just me, but like watching this match, I was just like, I felt gross, you know? I think it's just because of how bad it is. Cause it's one of those things of like, if it was a good match, maybe I'd feel different, but like slightly different. Cause I mean, we talked about this off air of like, when you talk about all the horrible things that various wrestlers have done over their lives, mm-hmm. especially like the big name ones that become main eventers. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it becomes a really depressing list after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, it doesn't help with all of that, that this match is just awful. It's yeah. one of the worst. Ma- and the sad thing is there's a lot of matches in WCW that are worse than this that have yet to happen. Mm, yeah, there are. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I disagree with you <laughs> at the time. This was the worst. Yeah, th- this was bad, man. This is like, what? I'm not even going to encourage people to watch it because you don't have fun. Like that's here's the, the thing, problem. Too. And the good news is the WWE network literally has a thing where you can press next match. <laughs> yeah. So just press that button. It pops up. It's like, are you sure about this? <laughs> I just want to, dude. If you have seen it, are you sure about that? If he pops it, they pause it, and he's like, "Are you sure about that?" I, oh my god, I would be unconsolable. I'd be laughing so hard. <laughs> I think it's, every match that they know is bad. They're, are you sure about that? <laughs> and I know he would one hundred percent be down to do it, like special for them in front of like a green screen or something, so they could put it in. <laughs> Oh my god. He would be so down. Oh, I know. You know he got married recently? Congratulations, John. Dude, yeah. good for you, my man. <laughs> yeah, I heard about it. that's really cool. I'm I hope that he's doing well and that he's happy and congratulations to the happy couple. Speaking of yeah. happiness, let's talk about yeah, okay. the hype match. <laughs> which we finally get to talk about the baby boy. Is one of the shorter matches on the card at ten and a half minutes. But this match is awesome. <laughs> this match oh. is so good. <laughs> This is um quite, and also, okay, they also had quite the challenge because in pro wrestling, you're not supposed to do a heel versus a heel because then it's like, who do I boo less? Mm-hmm. And you're also not supposed to do a baby face versus baby face because it's like, okay, naturally one of them's going to get cheered more. Mm-hmm. Now, there are exceptions to that. This is one of those matches Absolutely. because you had two super over baby faces mm-hmm. you had the people's champion i mean and even saw signs that said that diamond dallas page ddp was the people's champ of wcw yeah he was like or, 35 like you no, know, he was like 36 or something like that when this match was going on because he yeah. debuted at 35 which if anyone thinks if you ever think it's too late to chase your dream ddp proved that that isn't true you can do exactly. It. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And he managed to have a hall of fame career. He is man. It's, just... it's, it's him. It's me. It's DDP. With his totally not Nirvana entrance music. I was going to say that, but I, I was like, I'll let Caleb say it. <laughs> oh, Cause I mean, in WCW, like you had two guys that were basically the people's champ. 
and that was DDP and Booker T. Yeah. And oh my gosh, Dallas was so because he and the, and the announcers really like I think did a good job of bringing that home of Dallas because when you see him when he comes out, he like goes up to the fans and he's they love him. The, yeah, because and the announcers are playing it up like yeah because he loves him he loves them because he's one of them. Yeah. And he acknowledges that. I'm like, that is good. Mm, that is how you make a good baby face right there. Exactly. Just, and he, he how, fills the role easily. Like he's such a natural good guy. And which is crazy. Cause he's six, four. I, he's six, four. And they debuted him as like a, a villain in WWE, which still makes me mad. But <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> I, oh man. Oh, and then, Oh, Goldberg. This is this is Goldberg's best match. I just it's oh, so absolutely. good. He he does it, a amazing job. Amazing job. Oh man, I just I, I was joking before we recorded with Austin of like he would have probably started laughing at how giddy I got as soon as I started playing his music. Mm-hmm. And it went to the back, and of course they knock on his door and he gets escorted out by uh you know uh officers. I reverted back to seven years old and I was just, I don't know, man, I got wrapped up in the moment and I just, I was, I was a little kid again watching Goldberg and I, like I said, I, I, I was all about WCW Goldberg being my favorite, even had a little Goldberg toothbrush as a kid. Cause my parents got that for me because they knew I would love it. Yeah. He's and a also because they know I, exactly. And so it was just cool. Cause it's one of those things that, like I've seen his matches and stuff, but just something about the way the crowd gets into it, whether even before his music starts playing, they start chanting his name and, <laughs> and it, it just wraps you up in it. I'm just like, I am a kid again, getting to watch my favorite wrestler. <laughs> and it just, I don't know. Like I said, I could go on forever. So take it away, Austin okay. on what your thoughts. <laughs> so, I've long been mildly like I understand why people like Goldberg and I can imagine like when you're a kid and seeing him wrestle like you just want to see him destroy people and WCW booked booked him perfectly for that because he would show up he'd demolish people and then it would be over and that's how it should have gone and it was great but like you know when they when you see his weaknesses like of like he's obviously not the most agile person in the world except in this match and, right, <laughs> which I'm getting, I have an egg on my face. <laughs> I, I, he does a backflip in this match, and it was awesome. You know, it, it's not like a cruiserweight backflip. You know, he lands a little like a heavyweight, but he still lands it. He still hits Remember, a backflip. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like 6'2 and 300 pounds of muscle. He's, he's a, not going to backflip like Bray Mysterio. He's a big man. He played <laughs> He played for the Georgia Bulldogs. Go dogs. And <laughs> like, I, I've long been like, I want to see him do other things and make different moves in his arsenal. Even though I love what he already does, I just want to see him be more diverse and versatile. And he does that in this match with DDP. It's awesome when he does a backflip and when he's doing all these different holds and moves. And I was like, what is going on? And DDP's like just DDP's leading this match in that regard. But Goldberg is obviously, you know, the core of it. He is the world heavyweight champion. And oh man, it's they did such a perfect job of making both men look so good because this because DDP 
hit his finisher on Goldberg, and the crowd goes bananas. Oh, Understandably wait. so. <laughs> Hold on. Like, we got to set for, like, I got to give the proper due of, like, why they go so crazy. Because first, this match was a perfect setup of, you have the unstoppable force that is Goldberg. And at the time he had like 150 something wins mm-hmm. undefeated. He had destroyed everyone. This is after he destroyed, you know, even big names like flair and he beat Hogan for the title in the Georgia dome. And DDP was billed as the man who never quits. Like you can keep hitting him. He'll keep getting back up. And they showed that in this match because Goldberg's throwing him around like he's a rag doll. Spearing like, him. <laughs> yeah. And Diamond keeps getting back up. And or at least like, you know, still like fighting and throwing moves back at him. And then Diamond does something that had never been done at this point. He reverses the jackhammer. That had never been done. You gotta understand, like that they had built to Austin's point, they had booked him so well. People were flipping out. I remember when I watched this on Nitro the next day. I didn't know you could reverse the jackhammer. I thought as soon as he put that on, you're dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, I mean, little kid logic, but still. Which is a great but, way to protect that move, too. That's crucial. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you could tell how well protected it is because the crowd, the moment Diamond reversed it, they were, were already going nuts. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, they were at like a 9.5. And then when Diamond reversed it and immediately gave him the diamond cutter, it shot up to like a 15. I freaked out. I freaked out because I was like, what's going to happen? And this is like a 22-year-old match. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I'm invested. (laughs) I will say this. I mean, I know hindsight obviously is perfect. And it's easy to sit there and say like what they should have done. And, you know, as I always say, Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But a lot of people do, and I agree, Diamond should have been the one to beat the streak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That moment right there, when you saw that crowd pop like that, that should have been one, two, three right there. Complete agreement. Yeah. That, but, that would have been the right. Yeah. Especially because it's like, and it would not have hurt Goldberg at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was the perfect way to do it. And you can build off of that and be like, Oh, he realized he made a mistake and that he's vulnerable. And then you have him go on a tear through the company. Like, yeah, because he wants his title back. And exactly. it, it writes itself. Mm-hmm. And because one of the things he takes, like, you know, Diamond gets out of the way of a spear where Goldberg, like, I think hit, like, hits the pole. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, man, it's just really good mm-hmm. storytelling of when you're dealing with an unstoppable monster, the way you beat him is to let him beat himself. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> and that's what Diamond was doing. He's like, all I have to do is just survive. Yeah. If I avoid all of his dangerous moves, he'll get tired and he'll make mistakes. And, exactly. Uh, the, well, when he hit the diamond cutter, there was so much time in between, like, when, when he hit the move and then when he covered him, that when Goldberg, you know, kicked out at, like, two and three quarters, I was like, wow. Like, that actually, like, I can, it made both of them look really good because Goldberg didn't just kick out. He exactly kicked out really close and they gave plenty of time so that it would make sense if he did kick out, which he did. And I was yeah. like, wow, like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And just, and of course Dallas sells, it just has that look on his face of like, I just hit him with my best shot. 
Yeah. What do I do now? <laughs> Take the jackhammer and lose. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> well, I, I have to say the way he gets into the jackhammer is pretty baller, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he goes to like, Diamond's like, okay, I'll just, I don't know. I guess he's trying to set like a suplex or something. And Goldberg's like, nope, reverse into the jackhammer. Caught him with his own, with a move and did the exact same thing to him. And then what a great match. Oh my gosh. That was, <laughs> dude, oh. it, not enough good things can be said about this. And I'm not, that's so why I'm glad Austin, that's why I let him say so many good things. Cause when you find out I'm a huge Goldberg mark, you might think, oh, well, of course I'll say nice things about it. Mm-hmm. I am not alone here. Yeah, I love this. So you guys, yeah, (laughs) and it it was just really good. And I know, obviously, they had it planned out to be well done. Mm -hmm. I do wonder because obviously, like they had to be watching in the back with the way Hogan and Warrior went of like we really have to make sure this goes well. Yeah, because it's a match that's so good, you basically forget everything else that happened throughout the night, which. I'm not saying I mean even should do that, but it does that good thing of it's it it sends people home happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what a main event is supposed to do. Or angry if the heel wins. Whatever. But <laughs> um but it, it, it makes people leave thinking they got their money's worth. And this match definitely did that. Uh at least for the people that were in attendance. If you were watching on TV, sorry. Got to watch the next day. But um I did like also at the end that Goldberg did give respect to Diamond. Yeah, he was he, like, wow, you almost caught me. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and the announcers played that up too, or they're like, yeah, he's giving him respect because he understands how close he came to defeat. It was his longest match too, up, up at, until that point, I think. Well, longest good match. There, I think there was the Regal match at some point before this that was terrible. Yeah, which, I mean, that happens. It's You know, yeah. but there's a whole different thing about that, which... Because, like, kind of to your point, we were just like all the moves he threw out there that you would rarely see him do. Mm-hmm. And definitely once he came to WWE, he never did them. Yeah. Um, older at that point and also. Well, no. Why? Well, I'm talking <laughs> about 2003. I mean, when he's in when he's in his 50s, I, get, I don't expect a 50-year-old man to start backflipping. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the thing with WCW is, they didn't want Goldberg to do things except power moves. Like he would do things like, uh, like the backflip or that one move, like where he grabbed Dallas and like twisted him around and slammed him down. Yeah. Uh, forget the name of that move, but, um, he would go to the back and guys would tell him like, don't do that. That's not who you are. And he's like, what, what? But I just did it. So how's that not who I am? I just showed I can do it. Like, no, I keep, I'm sorry. When you said that, I immediately had that thought of Mulan where it's like, <laughs> when will my reflection show who I am inside? <laughs> like imagine Goldberg looking in a mirror and like asking himself that. And then he just headbutts it and breaks it. Cause he's Goldberg. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But no, <laughs> it's fine. I'm so hyped right now. Cause I just, Oh, it's so good. With all the wrestling episodes we've done, I've been looking forward to when we could talk about yeah. a Goldberg match, and I'm so happy we got to talk about this one. And, and I think this was the best one to to take into consideration because it, it's, in my opinion, his best match, and it's a yeah. really, really good one. So Yeah, he's he's on a lot that are decent, but this is his best because it just, it had everything in it, and it had this, like, 
since he was on the streak and diamond became came the closest to actually defeating him to where it's like oh he might actually do it it's it, it's not enough good things i can say about it yeah. especially because like i said it made me feel like a kid again and that's always nice to be like oh this is why i watched every one of your matches <laughs> exactly i i mean i think the best recommendation we can give right now is to go watch it it's a awesome match it's 10 minutes you know oh, yeah. not including the the entrances which are important but you know out of this match goldberg and ddp bret hart and sting rick steiner and scott steiner tag team and that ensuing match is is pretty fun you know there's a lot to take away from this card it's a strange experience but it's a roller coaster it's it's fun because it shows like what WCW was like in the 90s and if you're willing to take some time away and watch it it you'll have some fun. The, there's a lot to take away and it's interesting to kind of look at wrestling history but either way, thank you guys for joining us today. I've really been looking forward to this. Halloween Havoc's awesome and I <laughs> I'm really looking forward to NXT's Halloween Havoc because for anyone who doesn't know NXT is probably one of the best things in wrestling right now. And I don't say that lightly because we have so much good wrestling and we're so lucky and I'm really thankful for it, but it's been my pleasure to talk about it next week. We're going to be talking about, uh, I'm sorry. We're going to be talking about some comic books and specifically a comic book arc that may surprise you. We're not going to, and I'm just going to, you know, tell you right now, we're not doing the long Halloween. <laughs> That's no, we're not going to talk about that one yet. We'll get there yeah. when we get there. Uh, but it involves a lot of the major villains from the DC universe. So we'll tease you with that for a little bit, but either way, it's not the one you would expect. Yeah, it, you'll be surprised. You'll be like, oh, that's interesting. But I hope that you guys will join us for that as well. Either way, I am Austin Cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. And we are the Internet World Order. We'll see you guys soon. See you guys.